Just behind them is Armory, will need a break. Couple of lengths then to Leo de Fury, racing towards the final furlong and a half. And the Irish field celebrating 150 years Royal Whip Stakes. New Mary and Sinawan is on the outside of in between horses. Battling is de Graves, coming late as Armory, running towards the finish. It's New Mary and Armory on the line. Armory on the line. Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Trainer's Heart. I'm Todd Blum, your host here in the Sports Talk Studios. Right in the thick of the majors of the Spring Carnival. We've had the Caulfield Cup run and won. Very elegant. Gee, she was super impressive. The Mayor and Anthony Van Dyke, the International, the Epsom Derby winner, Aidan O'Brien, the Coolmore Colours. He loomed at the 300 but just couldn't rein her in with the big weight getting too far back. And this week's episode, we're going to focus on the man responsible for bringing horses such as Anthony Van Dyke, Prince of Aaron, who has run very, very well again. He just doesn't know how to run a bad race in Australia. Paul Bloodworth, Racing Victoria's General Manager of International and Racing Operations, as well as the man responsible for the international recruitment for the Spring Carnival, is going to join me on the line in the trainer's hut in just a moment. Before we get to Paul, though, we're... Going to have a bit of a chat about Anthony Van Dyke, the Epsom Derby winner, and he ran so well in the Caulfield Cup. And I'm very keen to have a chat with Paul about how he got into the role, what the role entails, and also some of the horses for the Cox Plate. As we know, this time of year, it's very hard to line up this international form with what we have on offer here in Australia. And we know this week is going to be an absolutely mouth-watering clash and also very keen to have a chat with him about the Geelong Cup, which will be run on Wednesday. That's why we just got the podcast a little earlier in the week for this uh, this week's edition. And we know Skywood, who a horse we've spoken a lot about here in the show. We've had a chat to John Massara, the majority owner, and we've spoken a little bit about him in the Melbourne Cup Pass. So keen to hear Paul Bloodworth's thoughts on him. It's time now to head to Paul Bloodworth, who... It's fortunate enough to have him join me in the trainer's hut on the line. Very busy time of the year for Paul. Paul, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Well, Paul, as he uh, just said, you're the Race of Victoria's General Manager of International and Racing Operations as well as the International Racing Recruiter. I'm keen to know how you come into the job because in Year 10, heading into our VCE, we had a form to fill out for our potential jobs and I had sports commentator at one and Mrs. Wainwright thought I made up the position of International Racing Scout at two. So just how, how did you get into the position? Oh, well, mate, you've just got uh, about 30 years of uh, toil in the racing industry ahead of you then before the job's available. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, look, I've, I've worked in the racing industry uh, in various roles since the early 90s. Uh, started with uh, what was then the Victoria Racing Club, who ran racing in, in Victoria, uh, moved on, was chief handicapper at the Western Australian Turf Club between no, 1998 and 2002, and then moved to New South Wales and was deputy chief handicapper and then racing manager there from 2002 to 2007, and moved back to Victoria at the end of 2007, uh, and was racing operations manager there up until uh, a couple of years ago when our uh, international recruiter Lee Jordan uh, left the job and went on to the racing manager's role at the Victoria Racing Club. So uh, we Lee was Lee was on a uh, like a uh, contract with us. Uh, so it was an external contract. So we decided to 
bring the role in-house uh, to back to Racing Victoria. I mean, Lee effectively worked for Racing Victoria, but more as a consultant than an actual RV employee. So we decided to bring it back in and, and incorporate it into my role uh, where I'd retain some of the racing operations stuff, but also uh, be responsible for the recruitment of the horses, but also uh, looking after the horses whilst they're here and, and managing our quarantine facility out at Werribee as well. So uh, that's that's how I ended up in the role. Uh, I'd, I'd worked with Lee quite closely uh, over the years out at Werribee, um, done a lot of work out there, become quite familiar with a lot of the international participants uh, and the guys that come out here regularly. Uh, so it was a reasonably natural progression for me uh, into the role uh, from what I'd been doing previously given my involvement in it. So uh, yeah, a couple of years in now, this is my third spring. Uh, and really enjoyed it so far. We certainly had a few challenges this year in the lead up to spring. Yeah, this year's definitely kept you on your toes, I'd imagine. I want to focus on the international recruitment stuff. So this time of year, there's a lot of buzz, especially down Werribee, and you put in the photos up regularly of the track work and all the big names are here. Just in case Mrs. Wainwright is listening, what are the ma- what's the main gist of that recruitment side of things? Like, how often are you overseas? How does that all work, Paul? Sure. Well, this year, I haven't been overseas at all, uh, as everyone could uh, imagine because of COVID. But the previous two years, uh, I have made a trip to Japan. Uh, So the last two years, I've been to Japan for the Yasuda Kinnan meeting, uh, which was run sort of late May, early June, depending on the fall of dates. And that's a Group 1 mile race at Way for Age. Uh, Armand I actually ran second in it. I was a little bit like... She got beaten again this year. Um, a little bit like I might have been harmonised Moz, given that she's basically won every race she's contested either side of that. Um, and then, so it was about, about a bit of week in Japan going to. They've got two major training centres uh, in the country uh, that uh, that I attend and, and also spent some time up in the north of Japan at Hokkaido uh, at Northern Farm, uh, talking to them. So obviously very key players in Japanese racing. And, you know, basically some meetings with trainers and, and owners outside of that as well. The other uh, trip that I take is a trip to Europe in July, which centres around the July Cup at Newmarket in roughly mid-July. And I go to France uh, for a few days prior to that, then off to England. Um, last couple of years, I've been to a training area called Newbury, or an area called Newbury, where trainers like Huey Morrison, Andrew Balding train. Uh, and then it's about a week at Newmarket. Uh, normally head down to York after that, see a few trainers there, uh, and then spend around five to six days in Ireland as well. You know, going to see people like uh, Aidan O'Brien and Joseph O'Brien, Willie Mullins, uh, Jessica Harrington, uh, and trainers of that nature. So, so they're, they're the trips. Are not so not huge amounts of time overseas. Uh, I did also go to the Dubai World Cup last year which was about three or four days. I was going to go to the Hong Kong uh, QE2 meeting, which is in May, late April, early May uh, this year, but COVID put an end to that. But, you know, we're determined to go back to Hong Kong and, and start speaking to Hong Kong trainers because we had an impasse with the Hong Kong government and our government had an impasse around quarantine uh, for a couple of years, but that's now been solved. So we'd like to go, well, certainly I'd like to go back talking to Hong Kong trainers about potentially bringing Hong Kong horses here to compete in our races and uh, you know the horse that won yesterday uh, would be a clear target for me uh, in that event 
I've heard you speak a couple of times uh, leading into previous spring carnivals about Hong Kong and how it's such a strong jurisdiction and it would be excellent to have a, a bit more uh, level of uh, competing from there. Obviously, like you say, with the quarantine things, if that all sorts itself out, it's definitely an area that we'd like to see come and race against the Aussies, isn't it? Look, absolutely. And, we, and you know, we have had uh, Hong Kong participation in our races before, but it is, it is tricky with Hong Kong because... Their season starts in September and uh, ends or well, ends in July and starts in September, and you know that's the time time that you actually want to be importing horses from Hong Kong to Australia, so late September, early October. And there's no real preparation races for their horses that they can compete in prior to uh, coming to Australia. So it does make it very tricky. They're basically coming off a, a break, coming off a spell, uh, no lead up, so they have to come to Australia. And if they're looking at races like the Cups. That does make it very problematic for them. Uh, we had John Moore try it a few years ago now with a couple of times with horses, and it just didn't work out. John did have a little bit of success in, in uh, our Group 1 miles of Turek and the Cantala a few years ago. But, uh, it, look, it is tricky, but um, you know, a race that we'd actually love to try and attract Hong Kong participation to is the All-Star Mile, running right our autumn. It's just a better time for Hong Kong horses. It would enable them to come and compete in the All-Star Mile and then go back for uh, their, their Champions Mile uh, run in April as well. So so that's probably going to be more of a target than actually spring horses from a Hong Kong perspective. But, you know, if Casper Founds wants to bring Classic Legend back to Melbourne uh, for the spring next year and maybe have another crack at the Everest, we'd be more than happy to have him out at Werribee and uh, have him prepare for, for races there. And we look forward to following that All-Star Mile with interest coming into the autumn. But can... Can you just share with us a little the process you go through? So you mentioned you spend a bit of time overseas on a, a bit of a travelling tour there, living out of the suitcase. But obviously this year would have been a lot different. But how often are you speaking to these stables overseas about potential horses and, and that sort of stuff? Yeah, sure. I look, I mean, I'm talking to various stables all the time uh, about various things. This year was, was different because for a long time, uh, so, so normally when we in a year when I would actually be travelling overseas, I'd be you know starting to talk to stables uh, around the May June with sort of serious conversations about horses that they might have. Uh, some stables you know knowing that, that they more than likely will come back and participate because they're regular participants in our spring carnival. Some others you'd be looking at horses that might have competed at the end of the previous year or had started off their flat season well and, and you'd earmark them so you start then you may I may not have had contact with those trainers in any great shape or form previously so um so that's sort of how the and then and then as the year progresses you know go to europe and japan and then you from there you can start getting a more serious idea of who's interested and who's not this year the, the problem we had this year whilst that to some extent was happening those conversations were happening in uh, april may and june uh, there was so much uncertainty around whether or not we were actually going to be able to uh, have international horses here, mainly around the borders of Australia being closed rather than actually the importation of the horses out. Uh, so we were very confident we'd be able to fly horses here. The issue we had was actually getting the staff uh, of the trainers here so that they could actually look after the trainers when they're in quarantine whilst they're out at Werribee. So, so it was very difficult uh, having those conversations with trainers because all they wanted to know was could they come and I for a long time wasn't able to actually tell them that so we certainly lost uh, some horses along the way because of that you know trainers sort of ran out of patience if you like uh, with us not being able to give them categoric um, you know advice on whether they could come or not but but uh, you know it's great that 
some of the trainers that we got, we ended up with six international trainers with horses here this spring, uh, managed to, to keep interested, remain interested, and, and eventually uh, we, we got it over the line through a lot of hard work and yeah, ended up getting 16 international horses plus 13 one-way tickets going to local trainers uh, and I think a really high-quality group of horses this year. No, it's full credit to everyone involved that we were able to sort through that because it certainly does add another level to the spring as we saw last Saturday at uh, the Caulfield Cup, which we'll speak about those horses in a moment. Now, the way the internationals continue to do so well when they come here and the likes of Charlie Fallows going back and telling everyone how great it is, it must make your job so much easier. But that's not obviously to take away from the hard work that you and Lee Jordan before you were doing. It seems more and more now, more suitable horses are coming down. Oh, absolutely. I mean, BRC slash Racing Victoria have been creating horses to Melbourne since 1993, since Vintage Crop won the Melbourne Cup at his first attempt. Uh, so there's been a lot of work done by a lot of people prior to me, uh, building up the reputation of our carnival, um, you know, selling Melbourne to trainers and owners overseas. Uh, so you're right, to some extent, my job has been made easy. And, and you know, in recent times, our prize money has uh, exploded for some of our features. That clearly, you know, uh, it puts the races at the forefront of trainers and owners' minds in Europe uh, and Japan because uh, we're world leaders when it comes to prize money and you just can't race for that sort of prize money in those sort of races uh, in other parts of the world. So, um, so yeah, I mean, look, absolutely, yep. There's been a lot of work done over a lo- long period of time uh, that has, to some extent, made the job a little bit easier. Uh, but, you know, it's, I've had to, you know, uh, develop some relationships with a lot of trainers and owners that, that I didn't know well uh, prior, prior to taking on the role. Uh, so there's been some challenges in that along the way. But, um, yeah, no, uh, there's no doubt that uh, our prize money uh, and the standing of our races uh, internationally uh, goes a long way towards uh, you know encouraging trainers and their and owners to, to come to Australia. And around this time, we'd normally be welcoming you know multiple trainers and multiple owners to Australia, but unfortunately, this year it's only uh, going to be Andreas Voller, who's currently in hotel quarantine in New South Wales in Sydney. It'll be the only trainer that we have here, and we won't have any owners. So, so it is it is very different this year. Uh, but yeah, all those things go towards making the experience for the international participants uh, a good one. And, and that's why you see a lot of people coming back here on here. And, and Charlie Fellows is a really good example of that, a great advocate for our sport. But, you know, Ed Dunlop, another, um, Aidan O'Brien, Charlie Charlie Appleby, uh, trying to, even Roger Charlton, who's back here for a second crack. Um, you know, we have people come once and like, have a great experience and, and like to bring horses back again. Andreas Fowler, he's been there, done that before with Protectionist in 2014. I don't think you'd ever want to miss that again. It, it must be some feeling to win the cup from the other side of the world. But Charlie Fallows, like you say, not here this year. It, it almost doesn't seem right, does it? Oh, it doesn't. And Charlie is absolutely spewing about the whole situation. Like, he, he doesn't know whether to laugh or cry. And he was so happy with how Prince of Aaron ran on the weekend in the Caulfield Cup. Uh, but he's just... He's devastated that he won't be able to be here. So, um, so yeah, it is all a little bit bittersweet this year, and it was certainly a weird experience being at the races on Saturday uh, with only a few hundred people, you know, officials and, and trainers and their staff. Uh, no atmosphere at all. It was all just a little strange, to be honest, but um, it was great to see that a couple of the internationals that we had run ran really well. And one stable that it seems you must have a very good relationship is that of Bally Doyle and Aidan O'Brien because the level of horse that... He sends down year on year, continues to improve with an Epsom Derby winner coming down this year, which is 
absolutely unheard of, and he's got a, a very good record in the Cox Plate as well. Yeah, Aiden's an interesting one. He's sort of, you know, he's well exposed that uh, Aiden's been coming to Victoria for a long time now and had a very uh, well-documented uh, incident a few years back when he ran three horses in the Melbourne Cup and, and the stewards pulled him in after the races. And Aiden didn't come back for a number of years after that. So so I know Lee did a lot of work in cultivating that relationship to get Aiden back because, you know, he's arguably the, the greatest trainer in the world and certainly got some of the best horses in his care. Uh, so then the last couple of years, you know, I've, I've sort of built on that, tried to uh, encourage Aiden to bring, you know, better quality horses. I mean, that's been the challenge with him. He's got an embarrassment of riches. He's got so many good horses that he could bring, certainly this year especially. Um, you know, Irish Derby winners, Epsom Derby winners, horses like Magical Japan, you know, there's just an embarrassment of absolute riches that he's got at his disposal. And, and the way it works with Aiden is around uh, August you know, he'll give you a list, a long list of potential Melbourne horses and all his good horses are on that. And so you're sort of hoping that, you know, we might sneak one or two of those really good ones. And, and as it's turned out, we've had some decent quality horses. And as you mentioned, Adelaide won the Cox Plate back in 2014. He's had horses that have run really well in uh, Corfu Cups and Melbourne Cups without being able to win them. Uh, but this year, without question, he's brought uh, a new level of quality uh, led by Anthony Van Dyke, as you said, the English Derby winner. Uh, and, you know, I'm hopeful that we'll get to see on the weekend a really talented horse in Armoury uh, who's, you know, not quite reached, uh, you know, the top level just yet. He's certainly been competitive at Group one level and was a slashing run last start in the Irish Champions Stakes behind Gaius and Magical. But yeah, look, just really happy with the quality of horses that Aiden's brought this year. Six horses in total. Uh, we're going to have a couple of runners in the Cox Plate on the weekend. Looks like he'll have two runners in the Melbourne Cup with Tiger Moth being the other one with the unfortunate withdrawal of Santiago. Uh, and so he's going to be very well in the race totally with, with the top weight and a very talented Northern Hemisphere three-year-old as well. We'll move on to the Cox Plate, Paul, because as you often hear this time of year, a lot of people trying to line up that international form with what we have on offer here in Australia. So you mentioned Armory there. He's a Northern Hemisphere three-year-old. He's been running in a lot of Group 1 races this year. He's a Group 3 winner two starts ago. Is there a horse, is he Is he a bit like uh, Highland Reel who come down at, at a similar stage of his career or is he a slightly different sort of horse to, to Highland Reel in Adelaide? He's probably slightly different to those horses. He's certainly got a higher rating than both of those horses did. Now, Highland Reel went on to... to you know, attain a higher rating in due course and was a multiple group one winner, you know, a champion of the turf in many eyes. But when he came down here to compete in the Cox Plate and ran into Winks, he wasn't anywhere near at that level. Uh, so Armory probably is a little bit the same in that um, his form uh, prior to his last run wasn't necessarily, you would look at it and go, that strikes you as a serious Cox Plate contender. It was really only his last run behind uh, magical and Gaeth in the Irish Champion Stakes that's really elevated his rating up and suggested that he's going to be a serious player on the Cox Plate. So, so I guess the only one query with him is that you need to see him do it again. Uh, he did win the Royal Whip Stakes at the Curra very impressively the start before. And for those that haven't actually seen a replay of that win, it's worth having a look at. He was ridden by Shamie Heffernan and he was held up desperately the whole way down the straight and only got out with about 100 metres to go and absolutely flew when... He saw some daylight, but certainly uh, the guys at Werribee very happy with how he's going. Uh, certainly thinks he's up to a race like the Cox Plate this year. 
one horse that keeps coming up and I'd like to know a little bit more about is Aspatar. So he's a European Group 1 winner and he's from the stable of Roger Charlton, who you mentioned earlier. And I'm guessing he's a bit disappointed he couldn't make the trip out to Australia to see his son Tom, who works up there at Sydney for John O'Shea. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Roger's very disappointed he couldn't be here. Uh, Roger, unfortunately, brought out a horse called Withhold a couple of years ago. Uh, who at one point was Melbourne Cup favourite and boasted a really good record. And uh, he unfortunately had a lead-up run in the Geelong Cup that year and bled and probably never saw the best of withhold again. And I must admit, when I went back to see Roger last year, I got a reasonably frosty reception. And I, and I must admit, I didn't think that I was going to ever see Roger out here again, or certainly in the short term. But the connection of Tom, who actually brought withhold out, uh, now working for John O'Shea, has actually played very well in our favour because... He's recommended to his dad that he bring Aspatar out. And this is, you know, a couple of months ago when Tom saw that it looked unlikely that we are going to have Japanese participation this year and also potentially, you know, not quite as strong a local contingent and at that point wasn't sure what sort of quality of international horses we'd have. So he basically said after he, after he won the York Stakes in late July, he recommended to his dad that he bring him out to Melbourne uh, for the Cox Plate because, you know, the reality of that, race at York, he won a Group 2 race at York which was worth about 100000 Australian uh, he said you know you can keep whacking away in those sort of races in Europe if you like or you can come out and try and try your hand in a $5 million race uh, he's won a Group 1 in Germany uh, last year, uh, the Von Europe uh, which was a mile and a half race and pleasantly uh, we took him to Mooney Valley on Saturday for a for track gallop to familiarise himself with the surrounds and the track and Damien Lane rode him and he was very happy with how he went and had to jump out with Sir Dragon A as well. So, so it was a pretty talented bit of work by both horses. Uh, and uh, I think both camps are pretty happy with how they're going into the race. I really hope the horse runs well for Roger, who's uh, you know had, had some bad luck here in the past, but, but batted up again this year and, and having another throw the stumps. And Sir Dragon A. So you mentioned him a couple of times there. He's a, a horse that is a little bit hard to line up as well. He's in the Kieran Murray and Dave Eustace yard after being purchased by Aussie Kieran Partners. Is he the traditional sort of Cox Plate horse or is this more of a, a launching pad to a Melbourne Cup which would suit him a bit better? It's, it's hard to get a line on, to be honest. I, I would probably have to think that um, he did run fourth in a St. Ledger behind Logician last year. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, Il Paradiso, who should have basically won a Melbourne Cup last year, finished behind him. So on that basis, you would think he'd be reasonably well suited in the Melbourne Cup. I know that they were originally going to target both the Caulfield and Melbourne Cups, uh, but were slightly disappointed, let's put it that way, with the weight the horse received um, when weights came out. So that's when they decided to target the Cox Plate and then the Melbourne Cup afterwards. I'm not sure about him. Look, he's, you know, uh, he's clearly a very talented horse. He's got form uh, behind Magical at his last start. Uh, as I said, got some good form uh, as a three-year-old last year in races like the St. Ledger. He also ran the Royal Whip last year. And his slight concern is that, you know, Buckhurst has got the better of him a couple of times uh, in races in group at Group 3 level. Uh, we saw Buckhurst in the Corker Cup on the weekend who was, you know, arguably slightly disappointing. May have found that, that class a little bit beyond him. Uh, potentially dropping back to 2,000 metres, which he may be better suited in the Cox Plate on the weekend. So, so look, I'm really interested to see how he goes. Uh, he's in the right team with Kieran and Dave. Um, I actually hadn't seen him until I got to Mooney Valley on the weekend because 
because of COVID this year, I would have normally had access to all three quarantine yards that we opened on the 2nd of October. But because of COVID this year, we restricted access to only one yard per person. And I was clearly in the international yard, so I wasn't able to get out and see um, Sir Dragon A work at all through his uh, time at Werribee. So it was really good to see him. He's a nice type of horse. He certainly worked really well on the weekend. Um, I think that the other thing that's potentially against him on Saturday is that it seems to me he races best when he's held up for a run out the back in fields and comes with one run and, and as we know that sometimes is not the best pattern for for Mooney Valley uh, certainly especially if there's no speed on in, in a in a Cox Plate so so he's got a couple of little things against it but I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't run really well and tune in right up for a tilt of the Melbourne Cup um, in a couple of weeks time after that you look for him to be running on at the end of the 2000 then for a little uh, a little warm up for the cup and you mentioned Neil Paradiso who of course was purchased by Aussie Kier as well after his uh, Melbourne Cup placing and unfortunately injured, so I missed the spring, but look for him to return in the autumn with an eye on next year's Cup. And Buckhurst, who you've also spoke about, how does he rank with some of the other horses that Lloyd's bought out? Oh, well, I think um, he's a different type of horse probably than some of the horses Lloyd's uh, brought out in the past, and certainly even the ones that are out there where we at the moment at Master of Reality and Twilight Payment, who are pure stays, you know, at their best at sort of probably 2,600 metres and further and are going straight to the Melbourne Cup. Uh, Pondus, the other horse that's out there, uh, is a horse I think they've got a lot of time for, but it was very disappointing in the Evil Handicap last time, maybe down to the ground that day. And he's heading towards the Bendigo Cup next week. So Buckhurst is, you know, Buckhurst was, I thought, plan all along was to, contest a race like the Cox Plate because 2,000 metres did seem to be his best distance. Then they had a throw at the stumps at the at the uh, Corfu Cup on the weekend, but maybe they're of the view that he didn't quite get the 2,400 metres, so he's probably not a horse that's going to go into the Melbourne Cup, so he's a little bit of a different horse than what uh, Lord and Nick have brought out before. Uh, the, the attention now shifts to the Geelong Cup on Wednesday. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say before you wrapped up that uh, we've got one runner in the Geelong Cup on the weekend and one internationally trained runner in the Geelong Cup, a horse called Ashran, who's Andreas Boller's horse. Uh, he should be really hard to beat. I think he's really impressed everyone out at Werribee with the work that they've done. Certainly done, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, slow work out there building up to the race, but also some really good, impressive bits, bits of fast work in the lead up to the race. And, and Andreas... Generally speaking, when he brings horses here, they, they run really well. Uh, as we all know, he won the 2014 Melbourne Cup with Protectionist and trained a double last night at Baden-Baden as well, so he's in form. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I think he'll be really hard to beat. And I think he'll be he'll be there definitely to win because I think they're, they're a little bit worried that he might not be able to get into the Melbourne Cup this year. So they're aware that a win in the Geelong Cup and what's probably one of the strongest Geelong Cups we've seen in a while uh, should incur a, a small penalty that uh, would basically get him into the race. So, so, look, yeah, really looking forward to the Geelong Cup. It's a great uh, race with San Roberto and Skywood also in it and Anthony Freeman, which is also Aussie's LaDon de V. I know, I know they were very keen to try and sneak into the Caulfield Cup, just missed out. Uh, you know, it's probably one of the strongest Geelong Cups we've seen for a while, so it might actually be a really good guide towards a race like the Melbourne Cup this year. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing Skywood make his Australian debut. He's a horse. The listeners of this show will know I'm very bullish about. Paul, thank you very much for taking the time and all the best for the rest of the spring, and uh, hopefully we're chatting again in the future with a few Hong Kong horses for the All-Star Mile. Yeah, no problems any time, and yet I hope all the listeners have a good uh, have a good remainder of the spring and back plenty of winners. Paul Bloodworth there, joining me in the trainer's heart. 
And it's very good to have a chat with Paul this time of year. He's the mover and the shaker. He's the operator. He is the man that is responsible for getting all the big names down here to the Spring Carnival. And as we've said, uh, you know, year after year, they continue to come and the level continues to raise. So it's a full credit to him and his team that are responsible for bringing the, the world's finest to the Spring Carnival, and it is excellent to have the international visitors here. Although, as we've said a few times in this show, we are all about the uh, Australian breeding industry, you know, starting to support itself in terms of these stayers, but it's good to have the sort of competition from the international participants. It was an excellent Caulfield Cup. It's going to be an outstanding Cox Plate, and we can't wait for the Melbourne Cup in a number of weeks. So that's it for this week's edition of the Trainer's Heart Thank you for joining me. If you'd like to get in touch with me, let me know someone you think I should be speaking to. It's good to hear a couple of suggestions. You can reach me on the Twitter, at TBBloodstock is the handle on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch on Facebook or Instagram, search Sport Thought. You'll be able to find the social pages there. As always, the show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now Podbean, so you can follow or subscribe on your podcast platform. And if you are enjoying the show, we'd appreciate it if you could share it with a friend, send them the link, or leave a review or a comment on your podcast platform. It really helps us expand the show and continue to reach a wider audience, and it's excellent to be hearing from the people that are enjoying the show each week. That's it for this week's edition. Thanks for your company. I'm Todd Blum. See you next time in the Trainer's Hut.